0: You're listening to How You Create with Ben Terry. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of How You Create, boys only episode. We've got just me and Tim Harris on the podcast this week. You're welcome. (laughs) Josiah and Andrew are busy with work and we needed to get an episode out this morning. So we're recording it. When you're listening to this, we have recorded it this morning. To break down everything that's kind of going on. But first, last week we had our photography IRL event. Tim, you weren't there.
1: I have a good excuse. It was my wedding anniversary. Yeah. You know I would have been there. You know I would have been which there was well, huge. otherwise. Yeah. And it was a great, it was another great turnout. The
0: photographers in Louisville love to come out to this thing. Um, if you saw some of the pictures, which we're, Honestly, like we're terrible about posting stuff on Instagram. (laughs) Like, I would love someone to just kind of like take that over for us uh, to do. Call to
1: action. Okay.
0: Call to action. Um, But we, it was really cool. We had a bunch of photographers come. Shout out to State Film for doing the prints for everybody. And we kind of like used a little design sprint. I can't remember if I talked about this on the last podcast, but it was cool because the first time we did this event, we just had people lay their work out and you just kind of walked around and mm-hmm. just like awkwardly, it kind of felt like speed dating. Not that I know what that's like, but like <laughs> it's what I would imagine, where you're just kind of like walking around and trying to figure out who you want to talk to and like figuring out what to say. And so what we did with this next go around was I brought post-it notes and stickies um, or like little dot stickers. Oh, and yeah. the dot stickers people placed on the images within the series that they liked. Um, So it was kind of like a physical Instagram like button. Which for a lot of folks,
1: it's probably probably a pretty new experience.
0: It was a new experience. And the post-it notes is where you could write feedback. And so it was like really cool because you kind of had people like trying to figure out what to say. And then you had people like our boy, uh, Andy Cincy there, sitting down with the work, absorbing it in, trying to understand the lighting and the composition and the framing and just like doing the Lord's work by providing like awesome (laughs) feedback for each of the photographers. Shout Um, out, Andy. Yeah, there was some really cool stuff, but the thing that stood out the most, here's what I learned from the event myself. The images that people were drawn to were the ones where people were left asking, how did you create this? How did you make this it, image look
1: like this? Is that a plug for the pod? Well, it, it should <laughs> how do you be. create?
0: Yeah. Well, do Honestly, you think that's it's, because
1: it's a group of photographers, right? So they're more interested in the how.
0: I think that's true, but like the images that like um, people were drawn to, they were like they were like trying to figure out like how they manipulated the photo. To make like, it look like that, so how it was even here are possible? Two, yeah. Yes. So here are two examples. One was Tim Robertson came in and he had these photos of your basic like house plant, mm-hmm. but the printing process that he went through made it look like, uh, you know, when you're watching like a VHS and it kind of has that static wave in the mm-hmm. video where it's like yeah. distorted a little bit. Yeah, I watched he was VHS able to...
1: all the time. <laughs>
0: He he was able to distort the image in that way in the printing process of yeah. his photos. Yeah, that's interesting. And so it just made game. it look super interesting where mm-hmm. you're just kind of left asking, like, how did you do that? What? And the other example is like Jordan. Um, she took two photos and then she was actually taking an X-Acto knife and basically creating little like cuts in the images and then weaving them together. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've seen that. And so it's like two images and one, both done it's after the
1: photo was taken.
0: True, very true. No, but that's what great. I like, what I like about that is we've we've talked a lot on the podcast, and we tend to lean more towards photography on this podcast. Just given, Sorry, guys. like, I mean, at this point, if you're still people, listening, you do too. Well, well we thank you, <laughs> um, because like everyone can kind of shoot photos, I think. When some people do something that takes a little bit more time and creativity to capture your attention, right. I think we're just drawn to that. And so I feel like the images, all the images there, were really great. A lot of street photography, a lot of commercial stuff, um, a lot of outdoors. Um, but those were some of the images that kind of stood out of just like, oh wow! Like how did you, how did you do this? Yep. This was so outside of the box.
1: How did you That's come awesome. up with this idea? Innovation.
0: Yeah. And so I think that was like, for me, that was like some of the inspiring pieces is like, okay, maybe it's not just taking a really good photo, but maybe I should also be thinking through how do I want to like, you know, repackage or... Produce.
1: Yeah, produce the the, the Produce this work
0: or this yeah. series of stuff and just kind of like test and experiment things. I feel like... You know, we'll do the event again early 2024. And I'm hoping we continue to get to a place where people are experimenting and bringing their experimental work to the actual uh, event for feedback and stuff. So, but anyways, it was a good event. Thanks for everyone who's coming out. I think it's going to be uh, a nice staple in the how you create franchise that we do these uh, IR portfolios these portfolios. Yeah. Um, so, but the question is, do you think you'll ever take any more photos? Do you have that itch? Did you
1: sell your camera at the yard sale? <laughs> I. I uh, here's the thing. I'm always going to be a photographer. Yes, I'm a photographer. I am. You know, am I the most active I've ever been in my career? No. But... Like if you were to make a 2024
0: resolution right now, Something yeah. for you to think about and plan out for.
1: Yeah, what, probably win a win a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, that would be your goal.
0: <laughs> but like, no, I would love goal yeah. of yeah. like what would you like? What would be interesting for you to shoot? Mm. And what would you like to commit to if you were to like create a, a body of work? Not necessarily something to publish or promote. Like what what is interesting or
1: would draw you in at this point in your life? Actually, I think a lot would. Um, I think I just need a little nudge. I, I So to answer your first question, yes, I currently do not have a quote-unquote real slash professional camera that's not an iPhone. Um, no, that did not happen to the yard sale. That happened sooner. But my gears have been turning. I might need to get something. I might need to get some gear, get back into it, tinker a little bit. Yeah. But as far as a specific goal... Honestly, I think the I think the I think the Michael Winner's route could be a good one for me. Uh, like, I don't think I'm gonna have the time or ability to go and shoot a specific project or a subject matter or do any kind of documentary work. I think the good starting point for me that actually would get me excited is like, hey, just try to take one creative photo a day, whether that be in your in our basement office that we're both sitting in yeah. right now, or or, you know, on the walk with the kids. So I think, I mean, yeah. not a very aspirational goal, but I do think taking more photos is something that would, gets me excited.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I always bring up the Michael Winters a photo a day, especially like, in Michael Winters, legendary uh, guy here in Louisville, photographer. And for the longest time, for like 10 or 12 years on Facebook, he would, at the end of each month, post a album. And it was basically 30 images that it's like an image from every day. And he would, would just do this for years. It was a great discipline. And it's like one of the like most like easy things to like say about doing. But it's like so hard in the moment. Like each day, I'm kind of like, nothing seems interesting in my life today. So like, what would I take a photo of? It's like you start overthinking it. Yeah. But we've talked a lot about that on this podcast too of just like, the perfectionism of like wanting to like create something that's like perfect or interesting, but I do agree like maybe 2024 or maybe I just start now is just trying to take a photo a day. That would actually be a really interesting, like um, every Friday or maybe at the, I was thinking every Friday or every other Friday when we drop these episodes, we drop like the five images that we all kind of took. And we just put it into like a, uh, an Insta carousel or gallery image. And so you just float through all the different images that we all took on our iPhone yeah. through the one-a-day kind of practice as like a, a way to kind of just put something out there. That could be an yeah. interesting... I
1: think there is this idea. I don't necessarily think it's quality or quantity. I think quantity can lead to quality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so this idea of create the more options, the more iteration, the better.
0: Yeah. But, like, if you were to, like, focus on a category, like, what what would you want to shoot or create around? Like, you used to be into farming. Like yeah, I'm still really passionate about, uh,
1: yeah, I'm still, I would say still that. I would say agriculture, probably. Golf? Um, would you do golf? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm kind of agnostic to the subject matter. But uh, do you feel
0: like you need that direction? I guess is like what I'm
1: hinting at. Evidently, evidently, maybe I need Ben Terry <laughs> to be my creative director. Maybe that's what I'm missing. Well,
0: I I think about that as well too. Like if I just knew this was going to be the lane that I was going to explore, would it make it easier or or more challenging? Like if you knew I was going to do a photo a day, but it had to be related to golf or to farming. <laughs>
1: then I just tell, hey, like... I
0: gotta go play golf every day. Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you feel like that's more helpful? For uh you? well, that's what I'm saying. I think it's helpful, but it's unrealistic because neither of those things I could make happen every day. So I think But it that's for...
0: under that's under the mindset that you have to actually be doing those activities. That doesn't necessarily mean you could think outside of the box of golf related things or farming related things. Yeah, you're just like having that lens on of just like maybe it's like taking a photo of your club sitting dirty yeah. in the yard. So sad. doesn't actually mean you like actually like playing a round of golf. Yeah, you know that is action it's like, is that constraint helpful or is it feel or is it forcing? I think that's like some of the stuff that both. I think
1: about. Yeah, I think it's both. It could be
0: helpful. Um, you know. Yeah. so there's I, something like it's like more golf theme and not actually like like you don't need to go to a farm to actually take photos of a farm it could just be your you know farm bed or your plant bed in your backyard
1: i'd get too bored
0: i i yeah. okay
1: that's where i'm not good i i think I, that's when your photojournalism comes out yeah i just like don't care enough to create cuz then to me it gets into more like still life art more like yeah. art photography and my man um, wants
0: to tell a story he wants to be out there with the people
1: yeah and maybe photography is actually the the least important thing i just like going places yeah so <laughs> the camera's the excuse like, well yeah. i
0: know that and people say that a lot of like having maybe i was actually
1: never a photographer <laughs>
0: Well, I think like sometimes people are like having the camera gave me a reason to be in the room.
1: Yes, and I so think it's that's, kind of like to that. Yep.
0: When the camera is not the excuse to go and be somewhere, are you still interested, interested in, in that subject? Yeah. 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 That's that's, that's a, a good big, question, man. Big question. To think. about. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of, oh yeah, there's the yeah. Exactly. That's so weird. It's like I didn't uh, like, like my take. <laughs> yeah. The AI on Riverside is like dropping thumbs up and thumbs down based off our movements. It's kind of weird.
1: Every time I talk, it gives a thumbs down, which is kind of concerning.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk (laughs) about other concerning things. Is Adobe a friend or an enemy to creatives?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So Adobe had their Adobe Max conference. uh, I think it was this week, earlier this week or uh, last week. And they made a lot of announcements. Obviously, this is like one of the bigger mainstream events within the creative sphere. Uh, They made a lot of new updates. Figma has still not gone through. Their acquisition of Figma is still not completed. And so that's, will that ever happen? Who knows? But the point of it all kind of being is Adobe continues to become a behemoth within the creative industry. And it seems like they're leaning deeper and deeper into AI. And so this yeah. is like a hot button Who subject of like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you ha- you, you've gotta be. Yeah. And so at the Adobe Max conference, they dropped a lot of things as it relates to AI. So some of the things, some of this is actually forced by the iPhone and Google Pixel. So Google Pixel has this feature where when you take a photo you can literally just kind of like circle around you know if there's a suitcase in the photo you can circle around the suitcase and actually just take the suitcase out and the photo still looks really good so basically adobe is like adding that like simplicity of like making those edits and changes because of ai into their like software package so within photoshop And they're doing some things in Premiere. It's just making it easier for the creative to be able to manipulate their image and make updates. So it's really going to change the post production process more than anything. Um, Mm -hmm. This AI thing's called Firefly. You might have seen it kind of going around of like people making new images based off the text prompt. And it all works like super, like really, really well. Looks good. And what's crazy about this is like, Every person who's critical of AI is still using these platforms to create their images. So now you have, I'm paying money to a company like an Adobe. They're unlocking these features within the product, which they've done for 20, 20 plus years. Yeah. And the creative is now having to decide which tools within this tool belt that they've purchased are they going to use and not use. And there's been small iterations of AI or improvements to the technology to where you can do these things easily and it replaces other jobs in the past. And so I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I just think it's like the evolution of it is like it is coming, it's going to continue to come, and it's getting pretty darn good. And what's your, what's your, I mean, I feel like you don't care. Seems like you're
1: on the... What? I do care. I care a lot about (laughs) it. I care. Um, It's funny. I I think it's... I actually just dropped I I don't know if this is going to work live or not, but I just dropped a a message in our uh, agency Slack channel that says, Hot Take Question, is Adobe good or bad for creatives? So I'm going to see if I can get some live responses. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think to your point, like it's already been happening. Like the tool that you mentioned with like circling and replacing a suitcase out of the background, that's kind of already existed. Yeah. And then that kind of begs the question If like sometimes AI now has been put on as a label of things that have already existed that in the past people didn't really have a problem with until it was called yeah. AI. Like particularly that feature, it's like, so where does the line between like what is machine learning versus what is AI or is there a difference? That's where Tim's not smart enough to be able to tell y'all. Yeah. um I think in general it's um what's kind of like with film like
0: who who actually who cares the most and this is this is like a question who cares the most about if an image is taken on film or digital at the end of the day typically the photographer
1: yeah the creators yeah and that's what's yeah it's the creator I mean or Will the viewer even know notice? I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Or yeah, to your point, they probably won't even care.
0: It's the same it's the same situation with like makers where it's like making it by hand or using a machine. You know, do you want to do a ton of production? Like do you want to do a thousand handmade items or a thousand mm-hmm. machine-made items? Or do you want to do ten handmade items? And then the question is always like, which one has the better market to be able to support that like vision and passion of yours. And I think what you see is like, based on how the economy is doing, it will fluctuate which one can actually make a living off of that value prop necessarily. Yeah. So like uh... the thousand bags is probably going to do better when the economy isn't performing as well Mm -hmm. because it's, cheaper costs for the maker and they're able to keep that business running whereas the person making 10 handmade things at a very slow process that costs very high it's probably not going to be as incentivizing for the consumer to purchase that thing during hard times which is yeah. kind of like what we're in right now we're in hard times right now so will people Good. use ai to <laughs> yeah. lower their costs most likely you know i think that's just like the tough reality and so people love to have someone to blame when things are hard like that. And so I think Adobe is going to fall more into the enemy big business behemoth camp, but like all the major tools. Frame.io, video editing is using AI to help remove background noise and stutters. You've got Figma, which was like trying to be the indie Adobe Mm -hmm. and now it's got acquired or is pending acquisition from Adobe, which would be crazy. So it's, ooh, it's going to be, Let me ask you it's this. better for you to know how to use it than not use it.
1: I'd well, say that. do you think it's going to lead, because you mentioned graph right the top, there's really no arguing with, we can argue about the ethics, which we're, we're doing, but yeah. the end result as far as looking technically good in photography and fixing mistakes or even iterating new images, it looks perfect. Mm-hmm. my question to you is that perfection this is it going to ultimately create specific to photography or i guess any visual medium less innovative actually and less interesting because one because of two things one everything's going to look perfect is that good or bad and then two um, there's this idea that I, and again, I'm not smart enough, but I've been told that AI basically reverts to the mean always. It only thinks in averages. So what mm-hmm. it's creating, what it's pulling out into the world, what it's creating image-wise is the average of what it knows. So that, does that mean that ultimately everything is going to be pushed towards that average and literally everything becomes the same in average? <laughs> I mean,
0: I think that's like what we don't know about yeah. like the generative AI is a little bit easier like the like hey let's pull this image out it's not like the full like it's thinking for you to create an entire new image Mm -hmm. like i think some of like the text prompt image making stuff you might run into those features where it's just an average of what's already kind of been out there and nothing really new yeah i think what's probably going to happen is you're going to see more of this like Using AI to manipulate something original that you've kind of created that seems yeah. to be the the piece that like people feel most comfortable kind of playing with, yeah, you yeah. know like even I don't think anyone's like super interested. I don't even think Adobe's like super interested. they probably just provide that feature because people who are not creatives are not like original content creators need something. And instead of going to like Shutterstock or Getty Images, they just type in a text prompt and they get the image that they're looking for. Because it's essentially like doing a text prompt AI for an image is like the same thing of just typing it in Shutterstock for a stock photo. Yeah, You're typing in basically the same thing. The question is get an going to produce a better result. Exactly. Right. And so like I think that's what we talked about last time was like would you prefer the person making the a real person making a bad image on Shutterstock Yo, <laughs> getting paid hey, This is or... a call out
1: to the photographers just get better, you know. Don't I, make mistakes. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm just joking. Beat the machine or be okay with mistakes. That's that's actually the bigger question is is perfection boring? And should you just like are we gonna to get to a point where actually people we go the other way and people like bad photos because it's like, hey, I can tell a human took that. So we yeah. actually value imperfection. Here's here's what will be interesting is like Adobe's
0: getting so big now too. Yeah. That um will they still be able to innovate? I feel like them leaning into AI is like the easiest way for them to innovate and like acquiring companies is the easiest way for them to innovate. Mm-hmm. There will be a real opportunity for startups to create tools for creatives. That is really interesting
1: and innovative. Um, then the question becomes like, will will they be strong enough to hold out and not sell to Adobe? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it'd be attractive. I mean, you know, there's
0: a couple of companies that I can think of. Like they would probably take a check right now from Adobe if they could. Mm -hmm. you know if adobe came knocking and so i think that's like at the end of the day like any good story you have to follow the money to create a really good story the same is true for any good product they're going to chase after the money the money is always the incentive yeah we see the same thing too with like creators like chase the bag like you know like i'm going to take this job because they're paying the highest price money 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 is a huge incentive which is why like I think it should be talked about more within the creative community because it's such a big motivator. And until yeah. though, there's like a pendulum swing of like people don't want to work for mainstream and it's not about the money, it's about the art or whatever, like Yeah. You know, right now it's all about the money.
1: For better or for worse. And I'm
0: not saying that's a bad thing. It's just like <sighs> I just think it's interesting when we talk about moral ethics within the creative community around AI and money and all those different things. Like, we all have, you know, positive and negative influences into the decisions that we kind of make. And I think we just need to be a little bit more consistent in those sort of things. Yeah. So, anyways, it's left to be determined if Adobe is a, a friend or an enemy. So, right now, they sit in the camp of like a frenemy is how I'd kind of put it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about... Can't
1: live with them, can't live without them.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy situation. All right. Let's talk about next on the like uh photography spectrum. We'll just lean into the photography side of this. Adobe yeah. kind of hit on a bunch of different things. But New York Times posted an article talking about... I mean, obviously, there's... A lot of stuff happening um, with Israel and Palestine this week. There was an article that dropped this week of like when everyone becomes a war photographer. So a lot of people are taking uh, images um, on their phones from Israel and Gaza uh, coming from the war and kind of documenting it, which also kind of helps shape the narrative and the story that's kind of happening um you can't stop it it's going to happen but i think this is like again something new that we've kind of seen happen with the protest and now something like israel and gaza that's kind of happening like people have access to be able to share images and kind of create narratives unlike previous times in the news where it was strictly photojournalists being hired or being sent by centralized media outlets and stuff so i kind of just wanted to get your take of just like yeah what's the wku mindset photojournalism mindset as it relates to
1: i can only speak for (laughs) tim harris but totally totally i ultimately go ahead
0: no i was just going to say please speak on behalf of the institution that gave you a certificate
1: yeah yeah is photojournalism still valuable this is a bigger question (laughs) um or is it ethical uh we don't have to get into all that but no i think to your question ultimately i think there's always going to be really what we're talking about is the pros and cons between centralization versus the decentralization of content creation or journalism I think there are obviously pro I might have a more boring answer. I don't know if I necessarily have a hot take. I'm probably somewhere in the middle, but if I had to lean one direction, I'm going to lean towards decentralization of that content actually being is a good thing. Um, for several reasons. One, I think ideally anytime somebody is in that community, they should be the one telling that story. Um, if, if they're able to, Uh, Obviously, there's going to be some biases that come along with that, depending on which side you're on in any any type of situation. Uh, but I think being close to the source, um, one, practically creates quick, real-time, relevant content that's more cost-effective to create. It's faster to get and tell a story and hopefully create positive impact in the world. Um, but I do think there's always going to need to be a place for some sort of centralized editing or filtering or... um, uh, What's the word? Um, Yeah, I would just say editing process to make sure that there's some sort of... The biases are being filtered out. Now, I will say that I do think, no matter which side of the spectrum you're on, most centralized institutions and the news organizations have done a very bad job of doing that well. Um, Mm. so I think I'm pro decentralization and I would say the centralized powers need to do a better job doing their job. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too,
0: of, you know, this is the same issue with like AI, like what's the source of truth. Everything is going to come down to like, what's true. Um, what's real. Like I always think about whenever there's a major hurricane or storm, you always start to see on Twitter, the floating image of the shark on the freeway in the water. And where some and people are like, Oh, the, sh-. you know, it's this fake image, but every yeah. year it has turned. Like, oh, have you seen this? Yeah. Of where like a shark is like swimming down the freeway in this flooded water. And it's, And I think it's like an interesting sarcastic joke of just like what is true and what's actually really happening and who is going to be that source of truth. So similar to you, I agree with like I think the decentralization and the democratic effort of people being able to document images from these different perspectives is a plus. But then also like how then do we determine what's true and what's not true? And what's yeah. actually happening? I think that's always been the challenge. Is always going to be the challenge, and then you add on the layer of AI, of like, is this image actually occurring? And what? Yeah. How then is the context of this image portrayed? Uh, becomes like another piece as well too. Uh, it's just, it just feels like we're getting messier, messier. The easier and easier it becomes to create, the messier it gets to understand the narrative and the truth of those things. So perhaps the people who stand out the most are the people, if, if I were to think about Jesse Bryan and Brian McDonald on the storytelling side, the people who can tell the best stories in the most captivating way, in the most simplistic way, will probably rise above the crowd when it yep. comes to like the, the stories and the images and the context in which they provide.
1: Yeah, whether and it's think, truthful
0: or not, those will be the ones that like rise up to the top.
1: Well, and I think in p- particular to this situation that's going on in the world right now, there's a value to speed and it being in real time and like practically, if somebody's there and they're living there and that's their real life, like they the picture's there, it's done. Versus, you're not going to hire someone, fly them over, and then you know if it's a, if it's an active news situation, yeah. news is developed on speed, the value of speed and. Getting that information out quickly, so there's huge value there, and it determines
0: on on the platforms on how the platforms then, well, yeah, and I've actually information, or the algo pushes it on the platform to other people.
1: Yeah, and not to defend any platform, but I've actually was or any person who owns these platforms, but I was actually pretty impressed with Twitter or X this week on both sides of this conflict. I have seen people friends of mine, others in the news industry, tweet images, have a strong hmm. opinion on either side. And then later, yeah. Twitter or X ex- published a description and actually said, hey, actually, this photo was not taken here. It was taken in 2014, blank, blank, blank. Oh, here's, interesting. Here's the truth. It actually did a really good job. Now, assuming they did a good job, I'm again, I'm trusting that centralized authority. Right. But um, I was actually pretty impressed with how... in pretty real time, they were able to um, find photos that were not in, um, not necessarily altered by AI, but were not um, taken during that exact time period that the person sharing the image said they were. Uh, so I thought that was actually really cool.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, Twitter is obviously more news-friendly than threads is. I think that's always been meta-stance is to not be so much of a journalist or breaking news platform as Twitter. And I've gotten this question recently, like, are people even still using threads? And I think the answer is yes, it's just a very small amount of people, but they made the announcement this week that they added an edit button and you don't have to pay for it. Where on Twitter you have to pay Mm. to be able to have the feature of editing your tweets. Facebook, the Zuckerberg zucked Twitter, by allowing you to edit your thread without having to pay money. And, they've, and they allow you to do like a voice post. Hmm. So it, it kind of like put new life back into threads. Um, so it's kind of interesting. There's like a camp of people, mostly journalists, who are like, don't want to use threads because they're not like pro news source, which has been right. like how these journalists have kind of gotten their platform on Twitter. And, but then, if you want to avoid those things, you could like be on Threads, yep. and it'd just be like a good time and not like uh, business stuff or journalist stuff. It could just be like I ate the sandwich for lunch. Like, I'm Which not is saying really one way is what better we than all want.
1: That's really what yeah. we all want. We want to go we back to two thousand nine.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Of like, if you go really far back, if you're a longtime Facebook user. In the early days, it used to say like, Ben is blank, because they were trying to prompt you to actually write a status update. And so the early posts after they made some of the website changes, it doesn't have that anymore. And so you'll just see, uh, you know, it's removed Ben is, and in my, my status update will be eating a sandwich at Chick-fil-A, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it was like, that's such a weird post to just see eating a sandwich at Chick-fil-A. But that was like how it was back in the day.: anyways, that was, a, that was a rant on how social media has changed, and if you go too far back on my Facebook, I, I sound like an idiot. But <laughs> yeah,
1: please don't do that to either of us.:
0: I'm, I'm actually like right now I'm kind of like, uh, okay, maybe I might use threads. Big threads I kind of want to experiment where I'm just using threads.: Dude, I haven't for even like up, I've never even, a week uh, or two.:
1: You know I haven't even touched it.
0: Yeah, the only one that you're on right now is is LinkedIn, is that right?
1: No, what I uh no, I'm on Twitter uh aka X and LinkedIn every day. Uh, yeah. Facebook so what is I your, only like, use for marketplace to sell stuff.
0: What is your <laughs> uh what is your like media consumption diet look like? Where are you consuming just like media in general? Like what are your streaming platforms? What are your news sources?
1: Yeah, social sources. Yeah, um so no Instagram. Um, I have an account. Do not use Instagram. I, like I just mentioned, Twitter and LinkedIn are probably my most active content uh, consuming. I do not share content on Twitter. I really just consume it. Um, so part of that is a news source, or you know, kind of use Twitter still for news. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And um, yeah. And so you know, I'm guilty of not actually being a former journalist, not actually having a current uh, uh, subscription um, to a direct you know news source because everybody's paywall now. Do you do
0: newsletters?
1: No, not a big newsletters guy. Um, We got uh, you know on the on visual content. I mean Netflix. Although I'm about honestly, I'm kind of a hater of Netflix. I I I think I might be in the minority. Right, I just feel like it's not good stuff. Like
0: I, I actually feel like HBO Max is kind of hurting. Y- you're saying hurting?
1: Netflix or not doing well.
0: It, I just feel like it's it's like I get on HBO Max right now, and I feel like there's not a lot of stuff on there that I'm like really into. Yeah. Maybe because I've already seen so much of it, but I've been yeah. going back to Netflix a lot more right now.
1: Yeah. yeah wrestlers. I
0: mean- when we watch wrestlers, that was like super good. Yeah, maybe we Honestly, should you know or what? Or I, you know what I watched the other night. This is gonna sound so silly, Uh but I I put on Eight Mile. It was like one of those like late night movies, and I was like, I knew when that eight- movie
1: came out, you were probably so you probably loved it.
0: And I like I kind of just fast forward to all the like iconic scenes, and it's just like, man nothing gets me more fired up than that freestyle battle stuff at the end of eight mile. Like it's talk iconic. about an underrated movie. Is it underrated?
1: I mean, I mean it's pretty rated. Um, it's, it's a, it's up there. <laughs> I mean it was, it was a good movie. Yeah. I'm willing I'll, to stand by eight mile, but you're right. Wrestlers, Netflix, you mentioned, I, I would, if you haven't seen wrestlers, I think, um, shout out, shout out wrestlers it's one of the better like documentary t v series I've seen in a long time I think yeah um, it is pretty good yeah
0: all right this is good uh th- one thing I was gonna say we should probably check out I've been using this app called article have you heard about mm. this right. it was its started by one of the um one of the co-founders of Instagram and it's basically I'm out. a <laughs> It's it's basically like a link feed. Oh, so if articles. you're familiar with like a dig or um, it's, it's kind of like Apple News as well, where it's kind of like just a curation of articles based off the things you're interested in. But it's also starting to turn into a social network. So one of the things I do like about it is that it takes all the things I'm interested in and it starts um, sending me notifications of those types of articles as they come up. And it's got all my different categories of interest. So we can just kind of like reinforce
1: your already pre-existing ideas.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but one of the... And so like when I create like the weekly dump, which I haven't done in a while, I haven't done anything in a while just because work has been so busy. But, you know, when I do like, here's some of my favorite links or things that I've read recently... You know, I like to go and curate and find those articles and put that into the list. Well, Article actually has it so that you can curate those lists within the app. So if you start following me on Article, you can then start to see here are some of the links or articles of stuff that I found really cool. And then those would start to populate within your list as well too. Yeah. So I think it's it's kind of interesting. So that might be one for us to kind yeah. of try. I'm not
1: mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Out
0: as well too. But um, yeah, it's only an iPhone app right now. Uh, okay. but yeah, article. It's got cool branding. It's pretty I'm neat so at the far.
1: Wrong one. I think it's called okay.
0: article. Let me see. No, artifact. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> artifact. <laughs> I was gonna say there is an Artifact app. posting yeah. articles. Do you did got you it. find the URL? I'm there. Yeah. Ar- like artifact.news.
1: This looks more like you. Yeah.
0: Yeah a feed for your curiosity i'm sold uh, Artifact uh, first sentence R- uh, yeah <laughs> there you go uh, you know the machine is feeding
1: you hypocrite
0: <laughs> am i am i am i blue pilled like am i too deep i, I don't mean, think so you're i don't feel like i'm deep. i don't think i'm i'm i like to stay on the curious side of it. it's better to you know mess around with it than it is to avoid it so crypto i still play around with i actually minted an nft last night just like on the side
1: oh, those still exist
0: yeah they still exist okay. i minted a photo that i took like two years ago and i i uh minted a photo and i tagged it to a very emo <laughs> you got um, a thumbs
1: down for that from uh
0: from riverside yeah that's funny yeah, it, the title is Can We Start Again? And it's like an old photo of a Zora party that I took where like it's a huge crowd. And I just thought it was like, oh, this is perfect. Like p- People think NFTs are dead. I'm taking this photo, which was like, peak NFT hype, and asking the question, can we start again? Go back to where it meant back then, which is a famous line from a hardcore band called Bane. And just like really leaning into my emo aspect, and right now it has two two people have minted that NFT, so shout out to those two people. I think one of them is Nico, so he's he's probably not even listening to this, but I'm glad he minted it. So, anyways, that's the vibe. Uh, I've got a guest episode coming out next week. We're talking. I'm going through and actually talking through some of the photographers that got funded through the Aperture Fund in Google. Oh, cool. So cool emerging photographers, going to talk to them about the projects they're working on. Um, I think I'm just going to like close out this year focusing on photography uh, and then we might sprinkle in some designers in the mix. Uh, But this has been another week, a weekly running with the boys of how you create. Um, And then we'll do this every other week and hopefully have Andrew and Josiah on the mix too. So... If you want to help us out with social, hit us up. And yeah, we'll we'll talk later. Peace.